Hey guys, welcome back to Creator Economics. Our next guest is a good friend of Blake and myself. He is one of the most brilliant minds in all of crypto. He is best known for being the co-founder of a company called Coinbase that I think you guys have heard of. And also he co-founded a venture studio called Paradigm. We're gonna add a link down below to Fred's blog. He talks about you know everything that we discuss in this podcast going in more detail. So make sure you guys check it out. If this is your guys' first time interacting with crypto or NFTs, we're gonna link some articles down below just to familiarize yourself with this industry. Uh, so be, feel free to check those out in the description. Fred, thanks for being with us. Pleasure to be here, guys. I would talk to you even if this wasn't some kind of a show. So I feel like this is the best kind of, uh, this is the best kind of thing to do. You know, I think I, I touched on it just briefly, but I, I think just giving a little bit of, about your background and, and how you kind of got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. Um, well, like a lot of people, uh, I grew up playing way too many video games as a kid. Um, I was a semi-professional gamer in high school. This is back in like 2005 before esports was a named category. Uh, after, so I went to school, I did computer science because I kind of grew up on the internet in school. I went to Duke. Um, out of school, I got what I thought was the intersection of job that seemed like playing a video game and a legitimate career. And the overlap of those two things was being a trader at Goldman um, in my mind. So I was a trader at Goldman Sachs in New York, uh, trading for an exchange. Turns out that game wasn't quite as much fun as I thought it would be. Most of the territory on the map was already explored. Um, and I'm sort of sitting there like bored nights and weekends. I find crypto on a Georgetown professor's blog one night, start trading it around at work, in the bathroom on my phone. Um, eventually, I get like pretty bored at Goldman and decide to move out to California, meet um, what becomes my future co-founder of Coinbase on Reddit. Uh, this is 2012 now, and then wow. years later, um, we have Coinbase, and over the last three years, I started Paradigm, which is uh, a f an investment firm that just does crypto. That's crazy. I never knew that you met you met Brian on, on Reddit. That's amazing. I have so many questions, but like, <laughs> what game were you playing first off? What was the game of choice back in 2005? So there were, there were three big ones. The first was this obscure first-person shooter called America's Army. I was on the best team in the world at that game. Uh, the next was the first Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I'd like scrim with pros in that. And then I played way too much World of Warcraft. Like literally, probably spent three or 4,000 hours in World of Warcraft, and then probably another three or 4,000 hours playing the other first-person shooters. Um, wow. Which, candidly, I think helped me understand crypto a lot better, because there literally are virtual um, items and virtual currencies in these games. And when you live in the metaverse as a kid, then um, the prospect that everybody might do something like that one day seems a lot less weird. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm similar, like born and raised sort of on the internet in a lot of ways, also play way too many games. And I, I mean, you and I have talked about this countless times, it's just like kind of strike skins and how that, you know, is sort of, it was like a foreshadow into this world and something we'll be talking about later on with, just around NFTs. But I, I'm curious, just going back to the Reddit days of like, you know, finding Brian from that, was that just on like the Bitcoin subreddit or, you know, what was that? Like, were you just like, hey, I'm looking for other interesting people that are you know, spending time in crypto? Basically, yeah. I mean, if you roll the clock back to 2011 in cryptocurrency, Bitcoin was the only thing that existed. It was only talked about in two places. One was a really um, 
let's call it old school PHP forum called bitcointalk.org. Uh, that's where the HODL meme came from. A drunk guy randomly posted uh, HODL on that uh, way back. And then the other one was uh, the Bitcoin subreddit. Um, and the reality at the time was probably 80 to 90% of people were um, kind of either crypto anarchists, um, crazy or had no idea what was going on. And then 10 to 20% potentially like saw the future. <laughs> Um, and Brian and I, I guess, met in that context. I remember going to like the first Bitcoin meetups in San Francisco. Um, this, again, this is like early 2012. And it literally was in a furniture showroom that opened up at night for extra cash to meetups. Um, and not an exaggeration, I think roughly a third of the people who showed up were homeless. Um, just because they like wanted the free food and, and booze. Um, so it was, it was very non-obvious at the time. Let's put it that way. Um, and that's the magic of the internet, right? You can meet people who are very intelligent and have these very disparate um, or uh, non-mainstream points of view and, uh, and start to create something special with them. I mean, I know that's even Blake, you and I met on Twitter. Like yeah. we're originally Twitter friends, that's true. I had a mutual friend of ours, Jackson, stay at my house for the last week, who I met through you as a Twitter friend. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people underrate how important the internet is for forming connections in the physical world nowadays. Completely agree. Yeah, I've met some of my closest friends on Twitter and then now uh, actually from League of Legends. You like get in these random lobbies with a, another friend and then they have their friends playing with you. And then all of a sudden, two years later, you're like, wow, I'm still talking to this person who I've never physically met, but we have played a hundred plus League of Legends games together. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I want to, I want to, you know, piggyback on a few different questions about crypto. So I, I think right now it's, a, it's an interesting time. And as of, as of we're having this conversation, I think Bitcoin's at 49,000 uh, as of today, where do you think we are in like the crypto life cycle? Like, are, are we still like incredibly early? Should people be thinking about this as like, and I know it's at 49,000, but you know, we, we think it's going to go to a hundred, like where, where are we at in the life cycle? I increasingly have thought about crypto in three stages of development. The first is a new digital money. The second is a new financial system. The third is a new broad internet application platform. If I had to guess, and these are highly, highly speculative because with any new foundational technology, it's very hard to predict the future and where you are in the trend. But if I had to guess, we're probably order of magnitude 10% into a new digital money. We're maybe one-tenth of 1% into a new financial system. And we are effectively at zero on a new internet application platform. It's wow. super, and, super early. And, mm -hmm. and, and I mean, I'm curious, you know, going back to 2011 or 2012, when, when you're starting all of this and, and going deeper in this world, you've been through, I mean, so many ups and downs over the past 10 years in, in crypto. Like, I, I, I mean, I've watched it mainly as a bystander, and but you have obviously lived and breathed all of this. How do you think, like, I imagine there's still, you know, going to be rocky waters moving forward and all of that. But like, how do you think about just in general, like, like, what do you think the conviction was in 2011 or 2012? Like, has that come through? Like, whatever, you know, that you believed? Or are you still like, okay, we're, we're not even at that point that I believed was going to happen? 
Um, I'll say two things. One is, as time has gone on, both my conviction in crypto working and the scope of what I think that means have both gone up substantially, um, which I think is is a very cool phenomenon that exists for any huge fundamental technological breakthrough. The nature of it is at the beginning, it's very hard to predict all of the first, second or third order effects. Um, concretely, in the context of crypto, I thought it was just going to be Bitcoin and it was just going to be digital money and we'd be doing some cool internet payments, let alone build a whole new financial system from the ground up, let alone build a whole new internet app platform from the ground up. And that, that part is like, that's not, again, we're at like 0% on some of these trends. We're just seeing the tip of it. Um, the other thing I would say is just, you know, I have been in crypto for 10 years now and in running Coinbase, I've experienced some pretty intense ups and downs. Like crypto has felt like it's been stratospheric at many times, other times um, everybody thought it was dead. And there's something very cool about going through that kind of volatility and experience, which is the thing, the thing Brian and I analogize it to is it's as if you're a rubber band and at some point you just get stretched so many times that um, things tend to just not really phase you anymore in comparison. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's been very, very gut-wrenching. Um, I also wouldn't trade the experience for anything. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I literally can't imagine. I mean, there. I watched a lot of this from the sidelines, but if I was as deep as you were, there were some real moments of like, oh my gosh, like this is going to the absolute moon. And then there was somewhere it's like, wow, like we were just like kicked in, in the stomach, you know, 10 times over. And it feels like, how do we recover from this? But uh, it's it's been amazing to watch. And, and I, I respect the hell out of you and, and everyone else that's worked so hard to just continue to push this forward because at least for me it feels like we're we're finally in this moment right now where it's like okay like bitcoin's a thing you know like th this is going to be a thing and it's going to be at least a store of value uh but it took you know 10 years you know to to get to that point so i'm curious how these you know other parts that you mentioned how long that takes and uh how many more you know ups and downs there are <laughs> That's a good question. Well, I mean, I started an investment firm premised on the idea that all these that that crypto would be the most important technological trend of the next 30 years. I think it will play out at least over that time frame. The Internet, you know, we're probably uh, 25 years into a mainstream Internet, and it feels like we're just getting started there in many ways. Um, I think it's going to take I think it's going to take a long time on. Um, I mean, the ultra, the sort of, um, the crypto maximalist world looks like crypto in retrospect is obvious as a mainstream digital money and store of value. Of course, we want an open standard for digital money in a digital world. Um, why would we not? Um, I think that that thought, while it might seem crazy to some today, or it certainly seemed crazy to almost everybody four years ago, might seem extremely obvious in retrospect. Yeah. And then this is the thing about crypto and any new foundational technology. Generally speaking, you have to accept the initial premise of the new technology 
for your mind to be able to get to all the steps after that kind of foundational layer. So let's say we are living in a world where there's a new uh, digital money in the world. People probably want to do stuff with their new digital money like they do in the current financial system with their regular money. Okay, that means we probably want a financial system that is built atop the new digital money and interacts with it natively. That's the beginning of what we see in DeFi and crypto today. Um, I think like DeFi is a cute and um, uh, somewhat uh, obfuscating name for I think the power of what's occurring there. You've gone from zero to almost $50 billion in user assets in the last two and a half years. Like you look for a classic product market fit graph, it's like exponential up and to the right. Um, and I think people still may not grasp the magnitude of what that could mean in 20 years. Um, and then the new kind of internet application platform. And, and so but I think the crypto money thing will take 20, 30 years more to play out easily. The new financial system, the same. The new application platform, at least that. Um, and I think we're just seeing the canaries in the coal mine where TikTok almost got censored across nation state borders or the president <laughs> gets deplatformed not only from every major social site, but like Amazon Web Services. So you can't even host a website or the app store. And I say this independent of political view. It's just I think the takeaway from looking at all that is if you want to build a truly global application, crypto might be the only way you can do that now. Um, and I think that doesn't even touch all the power that crypto has, where uh, you can build economics directly into apps. You can own all sorts of things, including digital money and digital items like NFTs. Um, like if you're picturing we're living in a Ready Player One metaverse, you definitely want it to be on some neutral platform where you can own all your own stuff. Um, I don't think we want to live in like Facebook town, for example, uh, if it's our whole life uh, and they could like delete your character <laughs> amongst, <laughs> amongst taking amongst other things. So um, in any case, I think it's super early. And the more I think crypto develops, the more clear it is to me that it is the open standard we're going to use for money, information, any digital item. Um, and that's just like NFTs is part of the tip of that spear I think we're seeing today. How do you let's let's transition a little bit into NFTs here, because this is a question that I've got probably every hour of every day for the last two weeks from from other individuals. And we're now seeing creators like Logan Paul use uh, I think he used Bondly. We're seeing Nifty Gateway be used. If 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 you're a creator, like should you be pushing into NFTs right now? And like, what do you what do you think? What do you think that looks like? Is it on an individualized item or are you selling? Like I think Logan sold 4,000 units of that trading card and they didn't actually sell out initially. Uh, but we're now seeing um, other things where they're just selling one singular item. So if you're a creator kind of looking at this or listening to this podcast, like what do you, what do you think you start out with? It's a good question. I think NFTs are just at the start. I think this period in time will be looked back on as um, probably a lot of short-term irrational exuberance, much like the beginning kind of bubbles of crypto where there were a million coins that ended up not mattering. Yet the trend, I think, 
is a paradigm shift in terms of how we think about media on the internet, any digital media, and it will be long and enduring. And I think the nature of these sorts of innovations is people try a whole bunch of stuff at the beginning, not knowing exactly what to do with the new form factor. Um, people try a whole bunch of stuff. They throw spaghetti at the wall. Some of, most of it falls off, and then there's like one or two things that end up working and sticking. And I think we're just in that in that beginning kind of phase today. Um, to, maybe to answer your question directly, of like, if I'm a creator, what do I do? I think step one is trying to understand why are NFTs powerful? Like, what's the nature of the new medium? Because I suspect the most powerful applications of NFTs will be the ones, just like with any new technology, that are uniquely enabled by it. Um, so, and I think I, it could be helpful for us to talk about what that looks like a little bit. I think the yeah, headline I, answer to what yeah. you're saying is like, a lot of the stuff being created today, I kind of think won't matter in a couple of years. Um, and it's, I think it, so for that reason, I think it's dangerous just to like, release an edition of a thousand of a piece of art. I think that's probably going to be irrelevant for the most part. Um, absent of a few idiosyncratic exceptions. Um, and then I think the really powerful stuff will be people using NFTs as a new digital medium and building things that just wouldn't be possible without it. Wow. I, I mean, maybe, yeah, just taking a step back, like, how do you think about NFTs right now? Because I think there's, you know, like what is an NFT and, and maybe just at the highest level, just talking yeah. about that stuff. Well, <laughs> NFT itself is sort of like, uh, you know, I feel like there've been a thousand Thinkfluencer pieces over the last week alone about NFTs. And it's like, it's unclear, like what even is this thing? Yeah. Um, here's the way I think about NFTs. Um, if, Bitcoin changed the world by showing everybody that there could be an open standard for digital money. I think NFTs might change the world by showing everybody that it's an open standard for any digital item. Um, and I think we're just at the beginning of what that means. I think if you look back in history, there's always been a sort of paradox in uh, creating or capturing value around any digital item. Like if you look at songs, even pre-internet, obviously you need a song to proliferate in the world and get really popular for it to have value. You got played over the radio, people would like copy the song off the radio onto cassette and make these bootlegs. Um, and then obviously like in the internet age that went bananas with Napster. Um, and there's this weird inherent tension in there, right? Because if you're a creator, you want your work to spread really, really widely. That's what makes it so valuable. At the same time, if it gets spread like digital media gets spread, which is you can copy it infinitely for free, then how do you capture any value? It seems paradoxical. Um, it's funny because our solution to that so far has been tr to try to let it proliferate to a certain extent, but to also try to restrict it. So you, you have sort of like DMCA, copyright laws, put it in a walled garden like YouTube or Spotify or Apple Music. Um, and uh, and, and the, the result is just really kind of, it's kind of messy. Um, 
And of course, there's all these negative um, externalities to having these centralized gatekeepers of digital media. And you guys work with these creators all day. So you know the story much better than I do. My rudimentary understanding is sort of like these centralized platforms are sort of like the modern feudal lords of the internet. You pay them for protection so that they, um, so that they keep your digital media safe and put a garden around it that you can extract value from. But at the same time, you become beholden to them. Your work can't really leave their walls. Your following can't really leave their walls. Um, and it's just kind of anti-internet. Like you can't build on top of it either. Um, I think the way to think about what NFTs are doing is they might solve the paradox. It might be that you can have a piece of digital media that anybody can use, can build an app on top of, can get copied infinitely, and that's great, but there still is just one owner. Um, and that's a way for the creators to capture value. I think we're super early in that trend because just like early crypto, there people have to care about the new these NFTs for people to want to build broader platforms around them. So like it will take a number of years for this idea to catch on. It will seem like a toy at first. And of course, NFTs had to matter before a developer was going to come along and build the future Instagram or Spotify on top of them. That'll take a couple of years. I think that's what's going to happen over the next five years. Um, but zooming way out again, I think you can think about NFTs like internet native property rights, where you get the best of both worlds, your digital media can spread like wildfire, become popular, become valuable, yet you can still have, you can still be the original creator of it and you can still sell it to somebody. Um, and I think there'll be all sorts of nuances layered on top of that, but I think that's, that's the core nugget. Who, I, I have so many questions. Uh, so what, what, what do you think like YouTube looks like uh, on that premise? Like, what do you think YouTube looks like in 10 years? Like, is, the, is there a situation where like now Mr. Beast could potentially sell like channel by channel uh, instead of like YouTube owning that, that right and the advertising rights to that video? Here's what I suspect will happen. And I think you got the exciting part about this is the creator community, I think, has um, as good a view into this as I do as somebody who like grew up on the internet watching YouTube, but is like mostly a crypto guy. Um, so I'd, I'd be curious to hear what you guys think. In broad strokes, here's what I think is going to happen. Now that NFTs work, you have um, a business model for creators to sell any of their digital works online. The next logical step from that in my mind is those digital works will ultimately flow up into a creator token. Um, we've all talked and Blake and I have been in a side chat for a year and a half musing about how the heck is it that like Mr. Beast coin could get created or pick any creator, it doesn't matter. And we always suspected it would happen, but we didn't know quite how. And I think now there is a straight line between NFTs and what grit gives a creator token value. Specifically, let's say as a creator, you keep a 10% cut of any NFT that you sell, and that 10% cut just flows up into the value of a creator token. All of a sudden, you have um, an asset that represents you as a creator that's native to the internet. 
The thing, the reason I think that's really important is I think that is the beginning of disintermediating the need for any central platform around a creator. You don't need Twitter or YouTube to amass all your followers. It's literally like um, using crypto wallets. If you imagine that every user on something like YouTube is represented by a crypto wallet, as is the creator, all the followers are just the crypto wallets following the address of the crypto creator. You don't need a central platform for the social graph anymore. Um, so I think that's where we're headed. It's an economic model and it's a way to directly own your community and following. And then the crazy thing about this paradigm is like all the media is open. So people are going to try to build like a million different platforms around it. Who knows? I couldn't tell you what the future YouTube looks like. My brain isn't big enough for that. Um, I do know, or one thing I would, will say though, is this new architecture and the power of it is something that I have high conviction in. Um, do you think there's a world where, I, I don't I'm just like spitballing here, but like, do you think there's a world where, I don't know, Mr. Beast makes a video and he actually turns that video into an NFT itself. And, you know, maybe it gets posted on all of these, you know, random sites and maybe the marketplaces actually just become the place where you consume it. Uh, like maybe you just are watching it on Nifty Gateway or, you know, mm -hmm. Zora or something like that. And, you know, he can sell the rights to that or maybe he just doesn't even sell it or it's just some really outlandish bid for it. But there is, you know, that piece where the video itself is maybe just NFT. And if you buy a chunk of that, then you get access into, you know, the beast token or and then you can get into his private community or whatever that might be. But like, that's at least one view that I'm I like immediately came to mind when you were talking about this. And I think right now we're seeing NFTs as just pure like static art. Uh, but I think there is something around maybe just make the whole video an NFT. Yeah, I think that's spot on, Blake. I think a number of things that you're saying are really important. One is that um, marketplaces and platforms are getting smushed into one. Crypto kind of embeds economics in everything. Um, so I think I think that I think that's very right. Um, I would also um, I would also say. It's just it's so unpredictable what these what these yeah. platforms are gonna are going to look like. One thing I think has been demonstrated to be really powerful that Mr. Beast has done really well is if you have a highly aligned community behind a creator they love, that can create some really powerful businesses. Mr. Beast Burger, I think, is super innovative in this dimension. The thing I think is going to get really crazy here is like the NFT model makes it so that the consumers of the product are also part owners of the product. So it's basically like, what if Mr. Beast Burger, what if all the Mr. Beast followers kind of like owned a piece of the Mr. Beast Burger business and it was digitally native? I think that's where we're kind of headed. Yeah. It, I mean, oh, you could ahead, completely please. tokenize a creator and every business they start in their career, right? I, on just a percentage level, like obviously not the whole percentage of the creator, but at least that's kind of where my mind goes of like, could you actually just, like you said, create a token associated with that creator? They wouldn't even need to potentially do sponsorships on a per video basis because as the value of that creator goes up, the value of that token rises. That's right. 
Yeah, and I think I think we're going to get all sorts of emergent behaviors out of these um, highly aligned creators and their communities that we just could never have predicted. Like, I think there's little spots on the internet today of this. If you look at like Twitch plays Pokemon, or if you look at Mr. Beast Burger, um, or if you look at even like Wall Street bets, I think these are sort of the canaries in the coal mine of how much people find purpose in these communities and just the very early signs of the potential economic power that exists behind these highly aligned communities and how crazy and how creative they can get together. Um, the thing that we haven't really had yet in Wall Street Bets was the first kind of outcropping of this was some economic alignment behind the community where if it worked, they all benefited. And I think one could take a, pe a pejorative view of Wall Street bets and say like, oh, this is kind of like a short-term zero-sum game, um, which may be true, it may not be true. But what I do know is um, it demonstrated that on the internet, a highly aligned group of people with a shared purpose, community, and mission is really powerful. Um, and I think the opportunity for creators is to harness that kind of a power uh, aligned through a crypto token um, and that's that's kind of where we're headed. Yeah, I, I, I think social tokens, you know, we've talked about this a bit, but it feels like social tokens are the next sort of wave of all of this. And mainly for what Reed talked about, where you finally have this incentive where you're, you're sort of in a weird way staking or, or buying an upside that they will take off. Like you can imagine if Reed started a YouTube channel tomorrow and he's like, okay, I'm creating the Reed token. Uh, People will buy in, but they're going to be far more aligned and encouraged to make sure that he succeeds and promotes it because they're going to have upside in that moving forward. So I think we're going to see these new creators emerge that are, yeah, very Wall Street bets ask where the community is like, hey, we, we own, you know, like 50% of their upside as, as creators. Let's go and make sure this person is like the biggest creator of all time. And uh, I think there's going to be some really interesting ripple effects that happen around that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a shared mission. I mean, I think the thing that crypto on social media has shown um, in a comical and almost cringeworthy way is once people are economically aligned, they become your distribution effectively. Um, one thing I thought was funny, I was scrolling through Elon Musk's Twitter feed uh, the other day. And if you look at the engagement on his tweets, Number one, by far, if you scroll for pages and pages, is a Dogecoin meme, by far. I would bet that if anybody with a large online following, let's say a large Twitter following, just tweeted the word Bitcoin alone, that's it, that's the tweet, it will get more engagement than any other thing they've ever done on social media. Which just show, I mean, it's like, it's so simple, but it, it shows the power in the economic alignment and the community behind these things. Um, so I think, I think that force could extend, um, could extend quite far. And it might be that the way these new kind of digital companies or collectives, and I think we should talk about this more, um, get started is exactly in this way perhaps it starts with a with a creator launching some kind of community and it like grows into this big weird amorphous kind of decentralized company almost like a subreddit um 
they, where they start the fire, but um, just like any company, uh, they might be the minority of what actually pushes it forward over time. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you and I talked about this a little bit, and I think the, the interesting thing about Elon is like people can, they can invest in Tesla. Uh, hopefully they get to invest in SpaceX if it goes public in the next six months. That's like something I think people are really looking for is a way to invest in these individual creators. It's also like kind of goes with my thesis that was, you know, why I started Night Media is I think that loyalty to brands is ending and now it's loyalty to the individual and creators are kind of at the forefront of that. And so this is all like really interesting to think about is like how do you and NFTs I think is a, is a way to do it and social tokens is like incentivizing fans to feel invested like they have that deeper loyalty and that's like where I, I see this whole industry going and there's some creators there's probably 10 to 15 that are kind of sitting at the top that have massive communities now they need to start figuring out like how they how they turn these into real businesses or how they allow their fans to get deeper involvement yeah yeah, Reed, I think that that is spot on. And the, the power in it, um, I think you're right that people want to feel invested. Like, I think one thing that Wall Street Bets showed is that um, people are seeking purpose increasingly through the Internet. And Wall Street Bets is a mix of um, economics, like a way to make money, and like finding community and purpose in life more generally. And I think the same is true of what you're saying, where um, brands are sort of like they feel corporate now, but people are like feel authentic and creators feel authentic. And that's sort of your thesis, I think, with Night Media. Mm -hmm. um, and then you sort of said, said feel bought in um, or and I think the interesting thing about crypto is that like they actually are bought in, like it's real economic alignment. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think, that is the rocket fuel um, that has been shown to be really powerful in crypto generally. And I think the same thing could start to be true of these creators and their communities. I'm curious if, if we go back to just NFTs as a concept. Right now, you know, the people who are skeptical are going just like, oh, I can just copy and paste this image or I can go and copy and paste this video or whatever, right? Like. Obviously, that, that's very intellectually lazy, but I'm curious from your side uh, how you would respond to that or you know, your view on that in general. You touched on it a little bit of how you know, people would do it with cassette tapes and music back in the day and that music or that artist still you know, succeeded. But I'm curious how you view it just in general with NFTs today, because that is, I think, the very simple or you know, high level view that people are taking of it. Look, I... I um... I, I, it took me a while myself to get over that same hurdle, like uh, almost a year ago. Um, it is. It goes back to the paradox of digital media. The whole point of anything digital is that you can replicate it for zero marginal cost. Um, I think at the same time, anybody who's spent time in digital worlds knows um, that digital scarcity works. Um, I think Bitcoin showed that. Um, I think it's been shown to work in video games and their skins. Um, ultimately, like, it, I think it works in the art market too. Like, one way of looking at it is if, let's say there was an original Picasso painting, um, and then there were a bunch of replica Picasso paintings, and only one was actually created by the real Picasso, I think we all, we all have an intuitive answer as to like what accrues value. 
Um, I think the same thing is going to exist in the digital world. It's sort of there's going to be only one or a series of works that are minted truly by a creator, whether it's a blog post or it's a piece of music, it's album art, um, it's a 3D uh, character to be played in a video game or otherwise. Um, and people will look at that and say, this actually was made by the creator. That, that, that will be the kind of the shelling point for attention. That's the thing everybody's going to say is real. And there's a mental leap there. I also think it's really early um, in that I'm not, I'm not sure if NFTs will be a panacea for everything. Like one way to think about NFTs is it's, it's more akin to a patronage model in some way where it's sort of like, um, you know, as somebody who loves this piece of work, I'm going to buy it. Um, and perhaps that's less mainstream than everybody paying for music on iTunes through a subscription service that's enforced by copyright law. I do suspect it will go further than that though. And here's why. Um, we've seen with video games that uh, people like to play games. They like to enforce rules around reality to make things fun. Like imagine playing a video game or a board game where there are no rules. It would just suck. <laughs> um, so I think people will want to, I think that dynamic occurs again and again in gaming and in just sort of in life broadly. Um, and I think that will happen here too. So I think people um, will sort of get the best of both worlds where people will allow these open standards to exist. Anybody can freely build anything. At the same time, I do think people um, will enforce standards just to create great digital experiences. Um, so I think, um, I think it kind of will work long run. And then again, I think the challenge to all this, which you can infer based on what I'm saying is it's going to take a while for all of these platforms to get built, to create these experiences, to give the NFTs more quote, fundamental value. Um, it's just like Bitcoin right now in, in 2012. Um, some people own it. You can't really do anything with it. It seems like a novelty. Everybody's asking, where's the utility? Um, the answer is like, there kind of isn't any, except that there's this future idea that these cool collectibles, you could actually use it for a lot, including store value, transit, whatever. Um, and then that's what's gonna happen, I think over the next five to 10 years with NFTs, like they'll seem like a novelty at first. People will build these apps. There's gonna be, it's gonna be games or the next version of Spotify or YouTube or whatever those platforms will start giving the NFTs value, and then the two enter a self-reinforcing feedback loop. The, the platforms will inform what types of NFTs make sense and will give them value. And now that the NFTs have utility value and have a form factor that makes sense with the platforms, more people will build platforms for them, and off we go. What, what platform should creators be looking at right now? If they, like, what, what's the easiest point of access if they would like to sell an NFT in your mind? Here's what I would say. Um, if you believe that NFTs are extremely important and versatile building blocks that will be used and remixed to get put into all sorts of different applications and potentially your own creator token. The most important thing is that you own your NFTs. You mint them yourself. If you don't do that, 
you can't roll them up into some future token that you own because you don't own the original NFTs. Um, and to the extent that they're not just simple, basic building blocks that exist for anybody to import into an application, then future applications that import NFTs aren't going to be able to use your stuff either. That would suck as a creator. Mm -hmm. I think most creators today don't, since all this NFT stuff is new, they don't grasp how important it is that these are open and neutral building blocks for those reasons. Um, so my most important piece of advice is mint and own your NFTs yourself. Some platforms let you do that, others don't. Um, I think we're in a weird stage right now where people don't understand that. Um, and I also think that it's sort of like the, the service Coinbase offered with Bitcoin. People are conflating, I think, um, the open standard for the asset with um, the platform itself. Like there are platforms where they mint your works for you. That's convenient, but you don't own it anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's great because like the platform is super user friendly for both the creator and the marketplace users. Um, just to get more specific about it, I'm, I'm highly biased here. I think the best one out there is a platform called Zora, um, which is made by uh, an ex-Coinbase designer um, uh, and a couple other ex-Coinbase people. And the reason I really like that approach is it's a protocol where you mint the NFT from your Ethereum account, which means you own it forever. If you want to do other stuff with it later, you can. Um, and the other powerful thing about it is it embeds the market for the NFT directly into the NFT. Um, the reason that is important is for those who follow DeFi stuff, it means that there's this marketplace for your NFT that it just exists on the blockchain. You don't need any central marketplace to give it value. Um, and by the way, this creates wild dynamics. It's like you can go look at any NFT minted on Zora and you can see who's bidding on it for how much um, you can, as like a creator, you can choose who buys it. Like, let's say I'm some random creator and like Virgil comes and builds or comes and bids on my NFT. I probably want to sell it to Virgil, not like random XYZ person. Um, so, uh, anyway, so it, it's sort of like, it's an open standard for creating NFTs yourself and it's an open standard for the markets around them. Um, so that, that, that's in my opinion, that's the most interesting. I think it's, it's early in that it's, it's an open protocol. So like the interfaces that are built on top of it are like still being built over time. I think there'll be like a thousand, which is kind of what's cool about it too. Um, and of course, like there are other great players out there, like, um, you know, other marketplaces have been crushing it too. If you look at like nifty gateway, um, or like the guys at foundation are great and all these other things. Um, Again, I would just, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to mint and own your own NFT. Is Nifty Gateway allowing creators to mint their own NFTs or is it being minted um, by them? My understanding is that today Nifty Gateway, which is nice in a convenience sense, is actually the one that's doing the minting from their Ethereum accounts, Yeah, um, which is great for convenience. I, I think it's problematic for Long -term. Um, eventual true artist ownership, which is where I think we're going. 
Yeah, I think that's a really important point if you're a creator listening to really understand like who's actually minting and owning these NFTs before you just like jump in a relationship because you want to get something into market. Like I hope everyone actually like takes their time, does their research and really understands the ecosystem. Yeah. 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 And then the other thing I would say, just because I think you, um, Reed, you brought it up earlier. I think there is like a lot of NFT mania today. Um, I would really advise creators to like not just go mint a hundred or a thousand of like some random image. I think you're going to end up with a bunch of community members who might think today like, oh, this is going to be super valuable. Um, and then like in six months to a year time that it could be like meaningless and you have a lot of community members who are just kind of pissed. Um, the thing I would really encourage creators to do is to experiment in small ways, don't go bananas, and then try to get really creative with it. Like, what is it that you can do with NFTs as a new medium um, that that could be really cool or is building towards something bigger? Um, and that's where I think uh, the best, it's cool because like the best internet creatives, I think like have a mind for that naturally. Um, and then it's just a matter of that developing over the no course of the next couple of years as people try these little experiments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it gets really interesting around like social tokens and membership products. Like, you know, if you have X number of beast tokens or X, Y, and Z creators tokens, and you can get access to into like a private community and, uh, or maybe it's, there's gated content behind that. Like, I think those pieces get really, really interesting. And, and I think it's just another reason why you need to be sort of minting the NFT, because if you're not, then you might not have the control or freedom to do that moving forward. Totally. And the, the wild thing about these things is they take on a life of their own. For people who aren't familiar, there's this thing called Unisox in the DeFi ecosystem. It's, they are literally are pairs of socks. There are 500 created by the designer of what is now one of the largest um, DeFi apps in Ethereum called Uniswap. It's a decentralized exchange. Um, the, the, design, the designer at Uniswap made these socks 500 pairs, and then he created a token that's attached to every pair. Launches the thing out there. It's sort of like a joke or novelty at first. What we've seen today is, uh, well, here. I think I asked you guys this question, unfortunately, recently, but the number has even changed since then. Guess how much one pair of socks, of tokenized socks, is going for right now? I, I know the answer at this point, so I, I'd be uh, Same, yeah. I know because you just asked this. I, I, I'm guessing it's went up since we talked, but I think it was at like 166000 last time you and I looked. Yeah, it's $125,000 right now. Okay, so it's went down a little. I guess it was a different one. Maybe one sold yesterday. Yeah. In any, in any case, I think the point is on what we've seen with some of like the Chinese version of StockX and the whole sneakerhead community is people love... Um, people love thinking about these collectibles um, as something that just represents a piece of their fandom um, and as a keepsake. And if you look at the sneakerhead community, there's this whole like keep it dead stock thing, like never wear the shoes. It turns out the sneakers are actually traded synthetically more than people actually take physical delivery of the sneakers. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if we see the same thing happen with some of these creator tokens. Like, you know, if you launch a token where it's like, here are 10 tokens to have a 10 minute FaceTime call with me, 
it might be that like three people use it sometime in the first like week after it's launched, you're like three years down the line and there's like two of these tokens left and people might just like shove it under the mattress in this weird kind of store value way um, where it's almost like a, it's like a rare kind of like coin that the US mint made a hundred years ago or something like that. Um, yeah. So I think, that's, I think that, that's another odd dynamic of what's occurring here. Yeah, I think that's that's spot on as far as just like the things that have got me the most interested, like especially Unisox and just like that dynamic of where if you cash it in, then it's sort of destroyed. And now there's only like, you know, 350 pairs that are actually left to, to be redeemed and therefore the value goes up. I think it's really interesting in the FaceTime or that piece of it, or maybe it's like be in a video or I'll fly you out type of thing. Like th those things, you know, you can imagine uh, those cashing in for a large, large amounts of money. And again, it sort of indexes on how big this creator is or how big this collective is. And you're like, okay, well, I, this, I'm betting that, you know, Mr. Beast is gonna continue to go up. And so this will only become more valuable to wanna be in one of his videos. Uh, and, and you're just gonna hold that. Or maybe you're just gonna cash it in because you're like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Uh, so I think those pieces are just super interesting to think about. Yeah, one other funny form factor of this I saw yesterday the bored Elon Musk Twitter account is selling a token that will allow whoever purchases it to write the next tweet on the account. Um, wow. And that was like kind of taking off. I don't know where it's settled. I should probably look at it today. Wow. That's super interesting to think about as these as being like, I think it's in my mind, the thing that gets me the most interested is like this NFT as almost like a redemption mechanism or like a, a piece that then can be rewarded and work towards something. Like if you have this collectible, then it can be moved into like, you're now in this elite group of collectors and being in this elite group of collectors, you have access to X, Y, and Z. I think that piece uh, feels like the next wave if you, if you start to squint and think about where this goes. Yeah. And I think we're even just the whole community um, the level of community engagement that can come behind that is super powerful. Like one thing I found very interesting last week was seeing Nadeshot, um, the CEO of 100 Thieves, tweet, if you guys retweet this 100,000 times, I'll get a tattoo. Like that's pretty extreme. It's basically like community gets to decide how I alter my body as a creator. Yes. Um, yes. And that was like without any economics tied to it. Um, so I can only imagine how far this might go if you throw economics in the soup there. Oh, imagine if you, the person who like, you, you sell like a spot to be like, like, you know, we're in some very futuristic world, but you imagine like someone bids for the, the spot of where he does it or what the message is of the tattoo, right? Like, uh, I can, I can imagine there's a world where, uh, someone is like, you know what, I'm actually going to just sell this spot of my body or, uh, be like, Hey, you want to, you want to buy the, <laughs> like, and you, you have these companies or people bidding for that. So I, I, I mean, there's, there's so many different pieces of this. Right. And like r slash place, for those who remember that Reddit experiment, is sort of like a primitive, really digitally native version of that. Um, it's like there's this, or like Twitch plays Pokemon is sort of in this vein too. Um, yep. It's just all been for the lulls so far. And then the interesting question is, if you put a real economic engine behind it, could that do real substantive things. Yep. Wow.
Well, Fred, we appreciate you coming on. I know we're closing in on an hour. I, every time I talk to you, I feel like I just gain a wealth of knowledge. So hopefully everyone listening feels the same way, but we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man. It's always good to talk to you guys. Yeah, this is this was super informative. And, and yeah, I mean, definitely check out Fred's blog and, and follow Fred on Twitter. But he's he's brilliant and, and super thankful that he came on to talk about this. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm the thing that's great about this is I feel like there's so much, so many good ideas in the minds of the creators and the communities that follow them. Like growing up on the Internet, I feel like you see it all over the place. If you ever read Reddit, it feels like a lot of the smartest people in the world and the best ideas come from there like there's a reason that a lot of the best memes and cultural artifacts like start on 4chan um and then there's this question of like how do we better unearth that and i think this might be how it gets done and i think this might be the future business model for creators and just like these broad decentralized communities and the cool thing about it is like guys like you are the ones that have been studying these communities and pilot them and are members of them. Um, so I'm really looking forward to continuing to, to jam with people like you guys to figure out exactly how this is going to play out. Amazing. Likewise. So thanks everyone.